The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Okay, folks, welcome to another exciting installment of the Custard TV podcast. It's me, your old friend Matt. I'm here again, joined this week by uh, two familiar voices. Uh, we've got Dawn Glennies back with us for the second time. How are you, Dawn? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You know, you're still quite enthusiastic about being on the show. You've only done it a couple of times. Whereas <laughs> Mr. Michael Lee, he's done it a fair few times. And I think you're a bit sick and tired of it now, Michael, or do you still enjoy joining us? Oh, no, no, I love it. I haven't got to the Luke stage of just not turning up anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> so, and is everyone all right today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure, Dawn? Are you sure? <laughs> I am, yay. You were saying about a leak in your roof before. <laughs> yeah, we've got a leak in our ceiling. We live in a, a block flat. We're the first floor and we had a ceiling leak above our wardrobe. Every year we've had a ceiling leak in a different place. So that, you know, at least we mix it up a bit. It's a bit exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mystery of where is it, where is it going to be this yeah, year? exactly. <laughs> the only leaks that I've got are in the fridge. You've had quite a traumatic <laughs> experience at the supermarket this morning. It's just hell on earth. People not looking where they're going, people getting in your way, people bumping into you, slow checkout consistence. <laughs> yeah, you it see. Felt, it felt like um, a, a festival. You, you're at a festival. That's what it felt like. <laughs> Is it a lot of elderly people, a lot of pensioners you sort of trying to move in front of? Or was it just, just everyone was being everyone. slow? It was a free-for-all. And was this a big a big shop, a big Tesco's? Yeah. Is it a, like a... It's just yeah, like just crowded. It, it wasn't any. It wasn't any normal Tesco. It was an extra Tesco. Extra Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> it was very extra by the sounds of things today. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the uh, show today, we are going to be covering. Uh, two ITV uh, dramas. We've got Holding, which is the adaptation of the Graham Norton novel. Uh, we've got The Ipcris File, which is another adaptation of the uh, Len Dayton spy novel. Obviously, that was a, a Michael Caine film initially. We have got The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, which is a another adaptation, and it's an Apple TV Plus uh, drama starring Samuel L. Jackson. 
And we have got How I Met Your Father, which is the spin-off from How I Met Your Mother, uh, which is, I believe, airing on Disney+. Plus. So we will start with Holding. Now, Dawn, when I said we were covering this, we, uh, you were quite excited. So have you read the book? No, I haven't, oh. actually. <laughs> I was entirely was excited <laughs> because of the, the cast and because Kathy Burke directing. I thought, well, you know, Graham Norton, I do enjoy his stuff, everything he does. So I, 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 it had seemed to be quite a well-respected hit. You know, people seem to say it was a, a really good book. So I thought, well, hopefully yeah. this will be better than other stuff, which I won't name. <laughs> <laughs> and um michael have you read the book i no. i i no okay no, no. <laughs> and i haven't either <laughs> um so yeah so quick synopsis as we said graham norton book it's set in the fictional uh, village of dunning in west cork focuses on a local police officer they got believe they call them the garda pj collins we find out he's been in the role about three years uh, enjoys the sort of lack of intensity that the job entails. He's waited on quite a lot by the housekeeper, uh, who's played by Brenda Fricker. When there's a development going on, uh, the crew uncover the body of a villager called Tommy Burke, who had left the village under a cloud about sort of 20 years previously. Uh, so PJ then is first with his first murder inquiry. A detective from the city, a, a younger guy, Linus Dunn, comes in to sort of be his supervisor and then we sort of get the ghost of the past being on earth the discovery of tommy's body sort of putting everyone on edge and uh, not least his former fiance bridge bride some of these irish it. names <laughs> yeah. uh, Ridden, and evelyn ross and um, who was sort of her ex-best friend but was also in love with tommy so dawn you know your initial excitement was it met were your sort of expectations met with this uh, I think the cast is fantastic. My slightly negative side of it was the the pacing of it. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about the holiday and it was Mm. so slow and drawn out. With the holding, it was the opposite. I felt um, very rushed. I really liked the setting and all these characters and I wanted to get to know them. And I felt we kind of rushed into Mm. what was happening very quickly and I thought I just want to sit with them a little bit you know I I was surprised the body was uncovered so quickly into the first episode I don't know there was it was a weird pacing sometimes it felt like you'd walked into the middle of a scene where I thought oh hang on what are they talking about (laughs) obviously as things go on a little bit more are are revealed of what they are talking about Mm. and that's the 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 basis of a a, a, that kind of show isn't it a a, a mystery unraveling I did want to see more, which is always a good sign. I can see what you're saying. And we do have that, you know, that is one of our criticisms sometimes is, you know, not spending enough time with these characters before the big event happens. But I think because it's sort of the discovery, a skeleton in this case, you still can spend time with the characters in their reaction to it. I didn't mind that as much. Well, that's that's very interesting you say about the pacing, because to me, it felt very purposefully slow in terms <laughs> in terms of I know they got to the, the bones quite quickly, but the way the dialogue is and the, the, the way they set up the scenery and the momentum of the dialogue is all very slow paced. It felt like a Coen's Brothers film to me. Hmm. I, I think out of the free film, uh, free TV shows that I've watched this week for the podcast, I think I got a revert openly and say 
I go into some things with a bit of a prejudice. And it's important to say that because when you say ITV drama adapted from a best-selling book, my initial feeling is like, like Luke says, Luke says is, is it going to be like an ITV drama? Like uh, like we talked about Our House. Yeah. Week, is that an example? Yeah, and I saw yeah. that and I totally agreed with everything you said. It, it, <laughs> and this feels so far removed from, it doesn't feel like an ITV show. Mm. It's quirky. It's about the small little village and all the weird characters. And I think because it's only four episodes long, that's probably why it's probably gone straight to the main crux of the issue. Mm. But I just think there are interesting characters, funny characters. I think Conleth Hill as as the sergeant is brilliant. He just looks out of his depth. At first he's excited when he sees the, the bones. And then all of a sudden everyone's going, are you sure you can cope with this? And then he's like, oh, I don't think I can cope with this. I just found it really interesting. Like, it was just so, it was not what I was expecting. I was expecting a very bold, straightforward ITV drama, but it just wasn't. It was It was quite quirky. I think part of the reason for that is that you've got quite a lot of good sort of creative minds, as as Dawn mentioned, Kathy Burke, and I, I, I don't think I've seen anything she's directed. I know she's done sort of a lot of stage stuff, hasn't she? I don't know if she's done anything for tea. I'm sure Luke will be shouting at me now saying, oh, she did that, she did that. Um, the person who's adapted this is, is a, a man called Dominic Treadwell Collins. I don't know if either of you are aware of him. He mm. uh, worked as executive producer on EastEnders for a number of oh. years. His sort of time on the on the show was well lauded. He brought in like Danny Dyer and his family and... Uh, did the Who Killed Lucy Beale story. And reading an interview with him, his family is actually from this area. So he ah. has got an affinity with, you know, these little villages in, in Cork, I think specifically from Cork. So he said when he read the book, he instantly wanted to be involved with sort of an adaptation and sort of pestered Graham Norton for the rights and then got Kathy Burke involved. He also sort of seemed to be instrumental in the casting. Conleth Hill was who he wanted as PJ. Obviously, Conleth Hill, a lot of people know from Game of Thrones, really, don't they? For me, he was one of my favourite things about Game of Thrones. because <laughs> I love Conleth Hill. I went into oh, it okay. I'm a huge fan of Conleth Hill. So well, obviously, <laughs> Car Share as well, which Luke, yes. Luke yes. and he'll probably cut this out didn't like him in car share at all oh, didn't really? like that episode of car share and <laughs> um, but obviously dawn with your your podcast where you've talked yeah. extensively about car share you quite yeah. liked him in that i'm guessing yes i do yes I, and obviously he did um pop factor you know the the peter k thing where oh, yeah. he was he was geraldine's mother Oh, yeah. mother. so is he so, is he quite close to peter k then if he's I think done a so yes of, i think he's one things. of these See, I didn't, I didn't twig on that. But yeah, they had Conleth Hill in mind. And obviously we've got Pauline McClynn here, Mrs Doyle. Dominic had worked with her on EastEnders as well. So she was someone I think he wanted to have involved. Pauline McClynn was very Pauline McClynn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's the busybody, isn't she, in the town? She's the shop owner. I mean, the, the, the world of the show is very distinct, isn't it? You've got all these houses that are coloured... It's one of those things where everyone knows everyone's business. Everyone's throwing up with everyone there. What was the name of the the sister who worked at the school, Evelyn's sister, who was moving to go to Florida? Uh, Florence, that's it, yes. Florence, Abigail and Evelyn were the the, the sister. You know, she's sort of almost like the revolutionary. You know, she's in 
a same-sex relationship. She's about to move out, you know, move abroad. You know, you get this sense of place almost straight away. You know, you've got the coast. Like, you've got this little sort of abandoned ambulance where, like, all the school kids seem to go to, like, (laughs) have bunk-ups and stuff. You know, you're instantly in there. The PJ character, obviously, is quite a comic character, but you've got, you know, these moments of sort of almost, like, inner tragedy and there's something there that he's not letting on for like a police officer he really doesn't like to get involved there's that scene at the end isn't there where Evelyn and and Breed are having a fight in the and he sees it and he just doesn't no 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 didn't see that (laughs) as Luke's not here I'll say it for him it's about world building isn't it If Mm. if you can in that first five minutes be at ease and go right I know what they're setting me up for I know that this world in a weird way quite comforting but also quite surreal in its own little way then you're in there and that's how I felt in the first five minutes I thought this is comfortable comfortable viewing but not like it's still challenging it's comfortable but challenging yeah the setting reminded me so much of Murder Island you know Channel 4's series written by Ian Rankin I thought Mm. it was a very similar feel so as you're saying you know it's not like a typical ITV drama in that sense it did feel like an Ian Rankin that kind of a, a, a mystery and that kind of a world mm. of a but with a sort of comic edge to it like yeah, you know yes. every so often Pauline McLean will turn up and be as you say Pauline McLean over <laughs> everything <laughs> another performance that you know I really enjoyed here was Siobhan McSweeney yeah as Breed I mean did you enjoy that Dawn her performance oh yeah I, I loved her and in an essence, she's the lead, really, because she's the central character in terms of what happened to Tommy before he mm. died or left. We don't know exactly at that point. I have to say, I watched the second episode because I couldn't resist it. <laughs> and she is amazing. There's a couple of scenes in that. In the, she's a much bigger role in the second episode. And she's really incredible in it. She goes from sort of flipping and, and silly and then tragic. And I, I do want to know what's going on with her character, What um, what's happened in her time since then. There's obviously something very interesting with her husband because when the, the body is uncovered, her husband comes in and just says, oh, they know or something like that. So he knows more than he's letting on. As, as I said, you know, she was left at the altar by Tommy and that's sort of something that's been hanging over her and, you know, the, the, everyone in the village knows what's happened. She lives with her alcoholic mother. She is obviously having issues with alcohol herself. The guy she married, it was sort of very much almost like a consolation, wasn't it? Because she didn't get to marry the love of her life. It is a really interesting performance because, you know, we know her from, I don't know if either of you watched Derry Girls. Yeah, big Yeah, Yeah, and her performance as the nun there, and she's the host of the Pottery Throwdown for some reason as well. Here, she's this tragic character who's sort of almost coasted since she lost the love of her life, who jilted her. I think one of the scenes for me that sums up the sort of the the balance in this is when she goes to the shop to buy all these bottles of wine and the the assistant says, oh, if you buy another two bottles, you get like... (laughs) Two pounds off, or say there's eight bottles for the price of ten. The main three, I would say, from the first episode, Conleth, Siobhan McSweeney and Charlie McKenna, who I'm a Mm. big fan of anyway. Essentially, it's a small town world with a tragedy at its heart. I mean, that story's been told lots of times, but I think the storytelling and the direction has sort of given it a bit of a different edge. 
Mm. It's not just a standard, oh, this isn't, you know, somewhere in suburbia in England. Mm. You know, there's an edge to it and there's a, a certain feel to the language and the flow to the language and the characters and the quirkiness, which is different from that. Like you say, the sergeant is comical, but mm. obviously there there is a... He's, he's obviously a nice human being, but there's obviously something that's happened to him in the past. I mean, we've all sat in our car eating sort of cheese slices, haven't we? Let's be honest. <laughs> Just like looking sad eating. As the... But the, the one thing that I really did was like, Converse Hill's obviously wearing a fat suit, but it's not a full fat suit. It's just a front. And when he sits mm. down, it rides up. Oh, I didn't <laughs> notice that. I'm being distracted by that going, no, 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 that's not how flat behaves, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and now no. I'm going to just look out for that now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, what? <laughs> I think anyone who's listened to this podcast will be like, oh, I'll have to sort of wind it back or notice that <laughs> next episode. I mean, like the cast in this is, as you said, as we said already, like ridiculous. Brenda Fricker is brilliant in her small role and and how does she uh, not look any different she's <laughs> exactly the same as she did in the 90s how is that possible <laughs> helen is it behan behan who mm. plays the oldest sister abigail yeah. i think she's fantastic when she gets to sort of have her big scene in this episode i mean i think if you're anything like me you're booked and busy from family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts Yes, like wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prinze Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. What Dominic Treble Collins and I think Kathy Burt do so well is that they've selected the right person for the right role. There's no like star in this, is there? As you said, Michael, it's very much an ensemble piece. Everyone gets time to shine. The big names on this are Graham Norton and Kathy Burke who are behind the camera, really. Yeah, and obviously the Tommy Burke thing obviously is going to be pretty much the central storyline that runs through it. But I think the first episode opens up enough in terms of what's going on with the interaction between other characters and the other side stories, mm. that there's plenty going than just that sole mystery. Because is it a mystery? Because it does seem to be setting up that it is Tommy Burke. It's just what happened to him. I think I get what you mean, Dawn. You feel like you've come in halfway through a scene. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, I think that's good because it doesn't sort of hold your hand through yeah, that's storytelling, we're, we're dropping in on this world, you know, we're not being led through it, you know, there's not a great deal of exposition. These are these characters, we'll explain who they are later on. That's exactly why it made me think of the Coen brothers. Mm. That's that's what they do in films. And sometimes they drop you into something and you don't know what they're talking about until the end of the scene. You go, all oh, right, OK, I'm with it. Yeah. And they don't hold your hand. And it it's also that pace to it, quite a obscure slow pace but there's still lots going on underneath I, I completely get that i mean i think the comparisons that you would make to this i think it's somewhere in between doc martin and Broadchurch, isn't it in terms yeah. of the style <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was thinking that it could so easily have been a kind of sunday evening you know with the setting the small yeah. town like a dog angel like sort of thing yeah but obviously, because of the writing and the, the story, it's mm. a much more serious, but it's not, it doesn't have that 
cool face. It's very quirky. It, it has that feeling of, of, of the community, but uh, it's all surface level, you know. And once we get below the, the surface, then that's where all the darkness is, you know. Mm. Yes, the houses are pastel shades, except for the one painted brown. But underneath <laughs> that, <laughs> there is obviously a lot of darkness with everybody. And as you say, uh, as we go on, presumably we'll find out all the different little mm. stories and little secrets that are being hidden. So we're all going to sort of continue watching this then, yeah? Definitely. Absolutely yeah. sold. I loved it. Yeah. I think, Michael, you're right that this is sort of one of the best things ITV have done in a while. Because it's not your, as we always say, the airport novel thriller. It's more gentle, uh, to borrow Luke phrase, with like a human edge to it. So yeah. definitely worth checking out. This is on Mondays at 9pm. So the first episode will uh, be available on the ITV hub by the time you listen to this. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com Next up, we've got The Ipcris Fire, which started uh, a week ago. So there will be two episodes available now on the brilliant ITV hub. No problems with that whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is focusing on um, Harry Palmer. It's based on the novel by Len Dayton. Palmer's a British sergeant in the army in berlin he's got a sideline in distributing contraband items uh, this is discovered palmer's arrested and taken to a military jail back in england and he's, he's sort of given a sentence i believe about eight years running concurrent to this is a british nuclear scientist who's kidnapped and the kidnapper is linked to harry palmer so he is then recruited by major dolby who's a uh, spy master for sort of a mi5 adjacent organization and he recruits palmer to go to berlin and get what he can find out about this kidnapping the question sort of hangs up on how much the people in the spy agency could trust palmer and and whether they can rely on him to get the job done uh, once he returns to germany are either of us you know aware of the sort of the original it chris file the michael kane film any sort of <laughs> only <laughs> by name only by name. Yeah, I've never seen it. No, I was, I was thinking, should I watch it before I watch this just so I know anything? No, no, there's no point. No, I have no clue. And uh, I mean, is this sort of a genre that we're interested in, like the spy, the Cold War, Michael? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, no. Okay, so it's a bit... We're, li- we're living it. We're living it. I don't need yeah. any fiction on telly. I, I think uh, it's very unfortunate, isn't it, the timing of this? I mean, it's Joe Cole playing the main role. What do we think of his performance? Uh, it, it's <laughs> difficult to it's difficult to tell, isn't it? I had that same preconception as oh, ITV drama, and the first like fifteen twenty minutes, I thought, oh, this is zipping along nicely. The direction's really good. It's got a bit of an edge to it, and I felt. And this is not relating to any of the performances. I don't think any of the performances were bad. I think it's more the fact that by fifteen twenty minutes, it all then starts going slowly and then feeling more and more like a, either like a daytime drama or an ITV drama. <laughs> and then by the end, I'm just like, oh, completely gone from the beginning. Totally interested in this to towards the end. Oh, just lost it, you. It, this feels like a normal standard bog standard drama. Don't get me wrong. Tom, ha- Tom Hollander is great being mm. Tom great, Hollander. <laughs> <laughs> being, yeah, he's being Tom Hollander. And I don't think there's anything bad in Joe Cole's performance. It's just the edge just seemed to disappear from it yeah. after about 20 minutes. 
the person adapting this is John Hodge, who has worked a lot with Danny Boyle. You know, he adapted Train Spotting. So you would have thought maybe there would be that edge here. And, and like Joe Cole, I read, didn't initially watch the Michael Caine film. And I don't, I don't feel like he's doing an impression here, really. He's trying to bring something new to the role. But Dawn, what were your thoughts just generally on, on the drama? The stylized 60s-ness of it. <laughs> um, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, when you get these dramas which are about the making of a film, <laughs> like you, and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like this is, they're talking about this is a drama that's the making of the Ipcris Files because it is, a, it is a real homage to 60s filmmaking. The oblique camera angles and yeah. the music and everything is very stylized 60s. I don't know if that that builds the audience because the, the the people have a memory of the of the film from the sixties, or if it makes it less realistic. I don't know. I mean, I can't say realistic because it's the sixties. You know, a spy mm. film. I've no idea how realistic it is. But in terms of that, I thought it made it more cartoonish. But you, do you know, yeah, you know, no, I get what you mean. You felt like you were watching a drama. You were never yes, engaged that's exactly, in it. Yes. But I did love Tom Hollander. I think he was fantastic in it. And Joe Cole, as as you say, he's not doing an impression of Michael Keane. And I did think he had charisma and he ha- he has enough of a, a presence to be the central role. But I never really got much of what Harry Palmer's inner workings were mm. at all. And I don't know if that's just because it's the first episode or not. I mean, they told you more about the character through exposition, I felt, than... yes. Like when Tom Hollander comes into the prison and just reads the character biography to you almost, doesn't he? Like, yeah. you know, you qualify from this university, you got this medal, you went, you know, you, why didn't you do this? Why did you, you know, you, I feel like you did get more about the character with people telling you about him rather than Joe Cole's performance. I mean, there were some interesting sort of supporting characters. We had uh, Lucy Boynton as Jean and, and this idea of, a woman's role at that time. Obviously, she works for a spy agency and nobody knows about it. I think they think she works for the BBC or something. I think that's the World general service, idea. Yeah, that's World, right, service. World service. I think that's one of the more interesting angles. And we've got Paul Maddox from the CIA, who's this African-American character. And they almost seem to be the more intriguing elements of the plot, in a way. You I know, these totally maligned characters who are sort of on the on the outskirts in the in the fifties, the African American and and the woman who aren't looked as as favorably as these, you know, these white men. Certainly like your your Tom Hollanders, your sort of establishment characters. I don't do you agree with that, Michael? Did you were you intrigued at all by that or no. <laughs> but that's the, I'm siding with what Dawn says in terms yeah. of it felt so stylized that you could almost see through it. Mm. They wanted it to be quite cinema cinematic cinematic but the budget wasn't quite there so Mm. once you're taken out of that then i started noticing that there's that big scene at the end where he does the runner and tom holland just goes oh he's dead or something Mm. or he's gone and obviously he's he's has he done a runner or is he just run off because he was being shot at yeah (laughs) by the time it got to that scene i was looking around the screen you didn't care (laughs) <laughs> no, I was looking around the screen thinking, there's not many extras there. Nobody's really bothered that this has just happened, apart from those two people standing centre of the camera. Actually, no one's really caring that some big things happened. By that stage, I've been taken out of it by maybe the look of it and the feel mm. of it. You're both right. It does try and get that sort of cinematic edge. And I think the 
period setting you know the costumes the production design dawn you mentioned the the cinematography like what, what they call dutch angles where it's all skew whiff almost like <laughs> i mean a, a great uh, the third man is a great example of that and you can see that they put a lot of effort in to the stylization of it but i think what we're all saying is that the story just wasn't there the intrigue wasn't there it felt just very dry to me I, I agree what you said about Jean and, and, and Maddox. I, I was really interested in them. And when it went back to Harry Palmer, I was just like, eh. <laughs> can we go back to them, please? I really enjoyed their story. Whereas I just don't think there was enough about Harry Palmer, why he got into what he did and mm. what's driving him. There was nothing. I think this is more, as you were saying, Michael, earlier, the, the sort of the ITV drama that will appeal to that audience. I think it's got an inbuilt audience of people who are familiar with the books and the film. I think this is a thumbs down, isn't it, from all of us here? I it think. is me. Yeah. OK, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Next up, we have got The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, it's pronounced, even though there's a extra p in ptolemy so this is adapted from a book by walter mosley it is on apple tv plus uh, first two episodes are on there now stars um samuel jackson as the titular character he's a recluse the the bio says he's in his 90s i didn't quite get that dawn from from yeah. jackson's performance uh, we should say as well michael didn't manage to watch this one did you so um, no i couldn't log into the system so i'm just going to sit here and drink a cup of tea Okay, fair enough. So he lives sort of among stacks of magazines, literally haunted by memories of his past. You know, he sees visions of escaping from fires and his former love and things like that. His only regular visitor is his uh, great nephew, Reggie, who sort of organises his finances, makes sure that he's got enough cans of beans in, in his apartment to eat, takes him out to dinner whenever he's there. Uh, but then um, we get this scene where Reggie hasn't appeared for ages and then another sort of great nephew appears uh, to take him to his mum's house. There we learn uh, that it's actually Reggie's funeral that he's being taken to. Reggie was killed um, in a shooting by a gunman and we're not sure who it was or why. So at that point, his great niece then puts this uh, girl Robin in charge of Ptolemy. Uh, she is a daughter of a friend of the niece. Uh, she becomes his new carer. This sort of bleeds into the second episode where Robin goes to move in with Ptolemy and gives his flat a complete redesign. He's then given the chance to be put on this experimental drug trial, uh, which will help improve his memory, but it sort of only improves it for a certain amount of time. And when the effects of the drug wear off, his memory is actually worse than it was before and he gets even more confused but when he has got his full capabilities about him his vow is to sort of solve reggie's murder and give him the the justice he he didn't get from the police investigation this is very much a passion project for samuel L. jackson apparently he has had the rights to the books for years he's very much involved with alzheimer's charities and you can tell sort of from the performance that he, he sort of does put a lot into it. I mean, what were your initial thoughts on this, Dawn? Oh, I, I really, really love this. I can see this sweeping all the award for miniseries. Samuel L. Jackson is so good. Obviously, he is 90% him, certainly mm. in the first episode. He bears it well. He's so good. I, I, I like the way they show the confusion in his memories when we see what he is seeing at that time. 
it's quite often he's he's not seeing what reality he's seeing something from the past overlaid onto reality or just completely in the past and they they give it a sort of soft focus blurred so we know when he's lost and I, I think he's so powerful showing what this character's potential has that he's lost. We started our company Girls Who Do Interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place and with the Chase mobile app our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of the IC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Through the years, obviously, once he takes the medication, we see immediately how quickly he snaps back into very sharp mind and, and aware of everything that's going on. Dominique Fishback, that's, that's Robin, is fantastic. I really loved her. And I loved the way they introduced her character because it wasn't just, oh, by the way, you're now his carer. You know, she takes it upon herself. It is convenient for her because she has no place else to live. But it's just her sense of right, you know, that Nobody's looking after him. He's living in in Bowler. He doesn't have a working toilet. And she's just like, no, I'm going to sort this. From what I've read, as the series goes on, a lot of the series is about their developing connection and and, and relationship. And I I can see that would be really captivating. From what I've read, those scenes are definitely what the highlight is. And I can see that, you know, we've watched two and there's, there's six in total. From what I've read, when the plot sort of takes over, these two episodes were getting to know these characters you know as you say the first episode was completely focused on Ptolemy he's just existing isn't he he's not living he's amongst these past memories he's literally got the tv on he's eating cans of beans he's not using his toilet all the rooms in his house are a complete state he meets Robin at Reggie's funeral initially it's you're helping him out a couple of days a week. So it's very much these two maligned characters. They've sort of been cast out by society. We see Robin's got like a scar on her back at one point, or, you know, she's sort of nursing this scar. So there's obviously a story behind that. And she very quickly, after looking at him initially and going, you know, I don't want anything to do with him, she learns to like him, doesn't she? This is sort of her project. She gets that respect. And actually there's that really good scene in the hardware store where he has that moment of lucidity when he sees the cashier leering at Robin and he says, you know, you don't look at a woman like that, you know, you need to treat her with some respect. And I think 
it does play as well with our knowledge of Samuel L. Jackson as a film star. You know, he is this sort of, you know, Pulp Fiction and Avengers, Snakes on a Plane, almost even. He's a very forthright, charismatic presence on screen whenever you've got Samuel L. Jackson in your film. You sort of know what you're going to get. And, you know, he has given against type performances in the past, but this is very much completely against what you know is Samuel Jackson, isn't it? As you said, when we get to the bit where he's taken this drug, we see more of a sort of Samuel Jackson type performance, but it's in this sort of like confusion. He gives such an authentic portrayal of, of Alzheimer's, you know, anyone who's ever had a relative with dementia or, or Alzheimer's. You know, you get these moments where they think they remember things. They have those moments of lucidity. And I think he plays that so well. I think where it might fall down for me is, you know, when it becomes more of a murder mystery, a sort of who killed Reggie. This also this sort of fantasy element with the drug as well, like this weird, almost like limitless drug where you get your memories back, but you only get it back for a certain amount of time. It's interesting that I, I'm assuming this is obviously what happened in the rest of the season, that we're going to have three timelines of plot because we're going to have what happened to Reggie, his, his great nephew. And then there's um, a lot of stuff with his wife who's died, uh, Sensia, which seems to be the 70s. And then we go back to sort of the 30s-ish when he was a boy and there's a, a big fire and obviously somebody dies. When he was a young boy, somebody grabbed his foot and he said, oh, I kicked him, I kicked him. And, mm. I don't know, maybe he murdered somebody as a child or he saw witnessed a murder, I don't know. I agree with what you say about when he's investigating the, the murder of Reggie. There's, there's no indication why he suddenly becomes interested. Like, it doesn't say he was an ex-policeman or, you know, mm. and it's just suddenly, oh yeah, I'm going to solve this murder, which does come a bit left field. I think it's more the sort of wanting to get justice. You know, they, they do say the police just don't care, it's another black man who's been murdered and actually I suppose it's saying has society changed for African Americans all that much because as you say you know we get images of you know like the cotton field him living sort of almost like in slavery at some point and then we go to the modern day when he's with his nephew not Reggie the I can't remember the other lad's name Hilliard Hilliard that's it yeah and when he's with Hilliard and when the police approach them just randomly and then when he goes to cash his checks and the cashier comes out and says, are you sure you want, you know, to cash your checks for you? And, you know, there's that element of profiling that still goes on. And I think with the Reggie thing, it's like, well, there's just another black man who's been shot. So we're just going to sort of chalk this one up and we're not going to investigate it properly. And, you know, we see after Reggie's death, that Reggie is now one of the images he sees as well, you know, with the bullet wound in his head. The one thing for me that I didn't think it needed was the, as we call them, the Luke special at the beginning with the, the flash forward where he's... I thought of Luke. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it needed it because I think we were that involved that we were... I, I was happy just to go along with it. I don't think it needed that bear with us because we'll get to some action because it wasn't a particularly, like, action-packed scene either. It was sure, just like, sure. this is what's going to happen, something's going to happen, someone's going to get shot. You know, I didn't mind it, but I don't think it needed it because it was that involving. And I, I agree with you as well. I think Dominique Fishback is a really good actress. She was in a film last year called Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, It was about the Black Panther movement. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya was in it as well. And she's a fantastic actress. Their chemistry is great. I think that relationship is the core of this series. You know, as you say, I think 
both actors are going to get the honours as, as the, sort of the award ceremonies go on. We would both recommend checking this one out on, I think, like, you know, Apple TV are bringing us some really interesting series. We had Severance a few weeks ago, The After Party, and we've got a few more coming up over the next few weeks. Michael, did you enjoy your cup of tea? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Custard TV podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. So finally, uh, we come to How I Met Your Father. This is a spin-off, a direct sort of sequel to How I Met Your Mother. Now, either of you watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, Yeah, I was a big fan, yeah. Big fan. I was a big fan. He's not bad. I've seen bits of it and mm. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got both parts of the spectrum here then. <laughs> really. Mm. I mean, were you a, a big Friends fan, Michael? Or, or yeah, is it I just... I don't mind Friends. It's, yeah. it's a weird thing. This falls into the... Uh, How I Met Your Mother kind of falls into the same character, um, same dimension as Big Bang Theory. I used to live with someone who I didn't know what the show was around 2007-2008, laughing their head off in their bedroom constantly. And I was like, what are you watching? What are you watching? So I went in one week and just sat and watched it with her. And she was laughing her head off at literally every word of the Big Bang Theory. And I was just sat there stony-faced and thinking, I don't get this. Why is this funny? I don't get it. Uh, How I Met Your Mother was one of those shows that she also liked. The limited amount I saw of it, I was just, I don't I don't understand. I don't get it. So again, I'm talking about inherent prejudice. This is what I've got about going into this. I was thinking, oh my God. I mean, I agree with you to an extent on the Big Bang Theory. I was never really into that, but I'm with Dawn on How I Met Your Mother. I think it was very much of its time. And actually we have got an article up on the website at the moment about they loved How I Met Your Mother when it was on, but obviously looking back, it is very problematic. The Neil Patrick Harris character is this womaniser and, you know, very derogatory about women and how the show deals with the one-night stands that the male's characters have in opposition to the one that Robin, the, the, the single female character, has. And it wasn't all that long ago either, was it? You know, it's sort of mid-2000s, early 2010s, you know. It feels like almost we should have known better. But I think it had those sort of charismatic actors that, you know, Jason Siegel, Neil Patrick Harris, Kobe Smulders were all sold it, I suppose. And I think there was a lot of backlash. Well, no, there was a lot of backlash to the to the, the final episode wasn't there in that we found out who the mother was and then she died and ted and robin ended up together spoiler for anyone who hasn't uh, seen how i met your mother this actually had been in the works initially it was meant to be how i met your dad um, and greta gerwig was going to be involved both on screen and and as a writer there is actually i was reading about it there's a full wikipedia article just about this show that, that didn't get made <laughs> Interestingly, Meg Ryan was going to be playing the the older version. It just sounded like CBS, who were the network that, that aired How I Met Your Mother, weren't interested in the themes that it had. So I'm not quite sure. I mean, there was like a gay couple who were wanting to adopt a child. Uh, I don't. I, but obviously now this this version is on Hulu in the states, and and this is on Disney Plus over here. The framing device here, very similar to How I Met Your Mother, in that this is a parent telling a child how they met their other parent. We've got Kim Cattrall uh, in 2050 playing a character called Sophie. She rings her son over Skype or something similar. 
We flash back to 2022, where the younger Sophie's played by Hilary Duff. She's on her way to meet uh, Ian, who she's initially met on Tinder, and they've been texting, and she thinks he might be the one for her. She gets in an Uber, which is driven by Jesse. His friend Sid is also in the car, who's about to go to propose to his girlfriend at the bar that he owns. On the date with Ian, Sophie learns that he's about to move to Australia. She sort of decides that it's sort of one and done with them, but then U-turns when she comes back to her flatmate, Valentina, who has got a new boyfriend, Charlie, from England, and Charlie has sort of sacrificed his wealth and privilege to, to be with Valentina. Sophie then finds that she swapped her phones with Sid while she was in the Uber, so she has to go to Sid's bar. Lots of comedic contrivances later, Sophie tells um, her son that this is the night that she met uh, his father. Um, so, Michael, you know, you said you went in with a lot of preconceptions. Did this challenge them or was it exactly what you thought it would be? It was exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> I mean, I get why people watch this kind of thing. It is an easy watch. You don't have to concentrate. It's literally all explained. Things that aren't complicated that are over explained to you. But I, I think my biggest thing, don't get me wrong, if you watch something like Friends or Frasier, people don't really speak like that to each other in real life. That's fine. They're doing it in front of a studio audience. So there has to be that kind of interaction sometimes. But I think with shows like this, it's overly cooked how bad the dialogue is and how they speak to each other it's like they're virtually looking at the camera when they're speaking to each other nobody talks like this to each other in real life it's just a show that's akin to dating eh what's that all about <laughs> and that's that's all i can get from it i mean ah oh, i wanted to try and like it i wanted to try and like it but i don't know it's i don't get how this is being made in 2022 and it's already been recommissioned for a second season as well it hasn't oh yes it has <laughs> what Dawn as a, as a fan of the show what about uh, the the original the How I Met Your Mother what what were your thoughts on this on oh How I Met Your so Father? bad <laughs> <laughs> you know I like this kind of comedy I love Big Bang Theory I loved Friends that is the kind of comedy I, I do enjoy but it was like it was written to a checklist where they were it was like it was written in 2050 and they went Let's make lots of references to 2022. Yeah, yeah. We'll include a podcast, an Uber, city bike, Tinder. a viral video. Yeah, Tinder, you know, a video going viral on YouTube. I went back and watched the pilot for How I Met Your Mother this week as well, just to remind myself and think, well, how did it compare? Because mm. obviously the pilot is always a bit weird because you're introducing everybody. And it was worlds apart. How Met Your Father, it's like they've taken everything but the kitchen sink and thrown it at it. <laughs> let's make sure there's, a, you know, a, an African-American. Yeah. Let's make sure there's a South Asian. Let's make sure there's an East Asian. Latina. Let's make sure there's a le yeah, Latina. Let's make sure there's a lesbian. And let's give everybody's backstories in one episode so we know everything. So it's the opposite of what I was saying before about holding. We know everything about everybody mm. in 20 minutes. And the canned laughter as well was just. <laughs> and I think it's the big leaps that it takes to get this sort of ensemble together in yes. the first episode I think you know you've obviously gone back to watch the first episode of How I Met Your Mother and in that you've got four people who are already friends yes, you know exactly. and then you've got Robin who they meet in the first episode so they've got someone who they can explain who everyone is to her but in yes. this you know you've got 
all these sort of disparate well you've got sort of two sides haven't you that you've got to meld together and I, would you be that pally with your uber driver to begin with <laughs> yeah the fact by the end of the episode they're all going out for dinner and they're all this group of friends and you just think you've met these people two hours ago and suddenly now they're your group of best friends did you not have friends before this and suddenly these are your people be totally fine with your flatmate moving in her English boyfriend that you've never met. I, I try not to talk to anyone who's, who's driving me in a taxi or an Uber, just generally as a rule. And I would say, well, what's your friend doing here? No, it's my Uber. Get out. <laughs> you know? The amount of hoops that you had to jump through to believe everything that was happening. I mean, I had to sort of do a bit of quick math just to see if it was believable that Kim Cattrall would be the older Hillary Duff, because it does seem quite a leap as well. Uh, I think they just about got away with it. I think there's about 30 years between them, so it's not too bad. I think we all think Hilary Duff's still quite young because obviously she was a child star. Did you think she sort of anchored this very well or was she hampered so much by a really poor script and character that she couldn't salvage it? I thought Hilary Duff had, you know, a good presence and charisma. I did want to know more about Sophie, but actually we probably know least about her actually after this episode. We know her mum slept around, that's about it. Yes, that's what we got got told that at the end. That's a vital piece of information. (laughs) And she's a hopeless romantic, that's it, you know. Like you say, she was drowned by so many other stories. In the How I Met Your Mother, the first episode, really the only story is Ted and Robin. There is a slight side story that um, Marshall uh, gets engaged, but that's kind of by the by. Whereas in in, uh, How I Met Your Father... There's so much going on and so many. There's Sid proposing to his girlfriend. There's our Valentina and, and her boyfriend's moving in. Who I had to check, is that a real English person? Because <laughs> the was accent it? was... And he is, yeah. No, he's okay. from North Rock, Yorkshire. So he's doing a, a, a fake posh English accent because yeah. it was so over the top. And I thought those two alone, that is enough for a pilot of an episode. You know, the Valentina... She's a Latina and a working class, and he's a posh English guy who's come to America and, and fallen in love with her. That that would be enough without mm. everything else on top. Oh no, it. we have to introduce a lesbian sister as well. He's yes. just broken up with her girlfriend, and 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 the de facto male lead in this is Chris Lowell. It just made me sad seeing him in this because I loved him so much in Glow. I don't know if either of you watch Glow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's the very much the sad sack who is known, as you said, for being in this viral video where he proposes to his girlfriend and and she says no. But you're right, there's just so much plot. And I think in How I Met Your Mother, even though I get, Michael, why you just sort of took against it, you know, it was very much one of those twee comedies. But, you know, you had a character like Barney, who, as we said, very problematic, but was just there as the comic relief. You know, you could just have him come in for five minutes he didn't have to have any plot himself because he was just his Barney. He's going to just be a bit misogynistic, do a few lines and and go again, you know. And then you had your main plots with Ted and with with Lillian Marshall. But yeah, this I feel the same way as Michael's shocked reaction there when when he learned that it was renewed for a second season. <laughs> but annoyingly, I misread our conversations, and when you said watch two episodes. I thought you meant this. Oh dear. So, <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Glutton, no, this is my fault. Glutton for punishment me has watched two episodes of this. <laughs> okay, so how did things improve or d- dissolve in the it's, second episode? <laughs> but it's so weird. There's a moment, there's a moment in episode two. You're right in the sense that it's about you've got to make so many leaps. For for a start in episode one, where Sophie 
meets with the guy that she thinks is going to be the love of his life and has just been to Australia. They're having a romantic date. And then uh, almost like towards the end of the romantic date, he's like, I'm going to Australia to live. When? Tonight. (laughs) Oh, of course it's tonight. You couldn't have just phoned her and said, let's not have a date. and Let's not even attempt to make something of this because I'm going to live away on the other side of the world. And in the second episode, she's got this story how she's never walked the Brooklyn Bridge. That was at the end of the first episode. Was it the first? The first, yeah. first there you go. I'm blurring it. <laughs> and so she's she's doing that, and I'm thinking, well, you've clearly never had to work on the other side of the river, then, have you? And all the time you've spent in. Because <laughs> she's, I mean, she has got one of those very sitcom jobs, hasn't she? She's a photographer. The very sort of sitcom job where they own a bar, photographer. I believe Valentina's a stylist. She's clearly you know, never all... taken a picture of the river, though. <laughs> <laughs> she was texting Ian while he was in Australia and they've got an in, in-running joke where every time they see someone that looks like Jason Momoa, they try and take a picture of him and send it to each other. So that's literally the main thread of episode two. So And she keeps going, oh, no, I shouldn't keep replying to him. But I don't know why she shouldn't so, keep replying to him. But she again, should. the 2022 tick list, yes. as we said. Yeah, exactly. On. I mean, I don't think Hilary Duff is bad. She's doing what she can in, in the circumstances that are have been offered to her this isn't my kind of comedy i have to accept no it's not it's not my kind of comedy but occasionally in things like this even the occasion in the big bang period there'd be a little moment where i go oh right i'd laugh a little but there's just nothing here it's all very flat line there's everything thrown at it not just a load of characters but like so many different subjects and it's like a 24 minute show a comedy by sort of panel isn't it by as you said you know we need to tick all these different boxes so we've got actors of, of different ethnicities and character in it who's been in a same-sex relationship and hit all the the points about this is definitely 2022 which is, yeah which Dog. usually i don't mind you know when yeah. some people watch a bbc drama and they're on twitter going oh they're ticking the boxes oh they're they're token no i believe inclusive inclusivity i can't even speak inclusivity thank you matt i knew you'd do it um <laughs> I believe important to represent different people and different ways of life and different sexualities and race. That's all important. But if you're just throwing it all in for the sake of it, this is the, one of the only times I would say, yes, this was probably to tick boxes. Mm. It's all important. Inclusion is totally an important thing mm. in TV. If people see themselves represented on the television, that's an amazing thing. But there's no reward for this. There's no yeah. reward for all this. Going back to the lesbian character, you know, she is the lesbian character rather than a character who is a lesbian. Yeah, she's defined by her sexuality. She's yeah. li- there's no other thing about her. That's Yeah, that's right. I can't even think who this would be for, really. The original series ended so long ago. You know, I don't know if that sort of nostalgia has rubbed off, whereas if the original, the, the Greta Gerwig one, that was planned to be in 2014, so that would have been just after, I think, the original series finished. I, I, I can't think who would be watching this unless it's just all oh, look this is on Disney plus and we'll just keep it on in the background you know what I mean it's yeah. it, avoid this at your peril I think <laughs> you know even if you watch if you want to watch How I Met Your Mother again Dawn's done that she sort of yeah. had it seems like she had a good time with it <laughs> but I'm still bitter over the end of How I Met Your Mother so I think it's like they thought they'd fixed everything from How I Met Your Mother because obviously the biggest complaints is the misogynies and the racism and the, the lack of diversity. And they've gone, right, we'll fix that. So this will be huge. But they didn't bother doing anything else. I, I think Kim Cattrall is, is good in anything she does. But 
This feels yeah. very much like a paycheck part for yeah. her, doesn't yeah. it? Like when, she, <laughs> like when she did the Tetley Tea adverts, if you can remember that back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, obviously, it's the other way around because we're not seeing the sun because, obviously, it could be, you know, his ethnicity, I suppose, would give yeah. away. <laughs> yes, that's a good point, yes. <laughs> it is on Disney Plus now. And I will shout out, it's Jacob who has written the article on the custardtv.com, uh, which is available to read now. Also up there, Luke has written a um, a review of Somebody Somewhere, which we talked about on the podcast last week. And we have got, um, he's also written something about Pam and Tommy, which also on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I don't know, did either of you watch that at all? Yeah, I've seen the first three or uh, four episodes. And I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm just taking time with it. I don't want to just like watch it all in one go but yeah so you, you weren't put off by the talking penis then <laughs> <laughs> mine does that as well so what's, 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 what's I'm weird about to put an explicit an explicit warning on this one now michael thanks for that right, you, you brought it up <laughs> and also um Eamon has written a piece on the shows of uh, amy sherman palladino so gilmore girls uh, mrs basil that sort of thing and both of you have a podcast, so Dawn, would you like to talk about yours first? Uh, we are the Shipyard, and we talk about all things shippy, romantic, will they, won't they, relationships, slow burns. Uh, you can find us on the Shipyard USD on um, YouTube and uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're currently doing an A to Z of chippy shows. We're on E and we're struggling with E, I'll have to say. We're regretting our life choices on the letter E. What are you doing on E then? Have you... we're, we're probably going to do ER uh, because okay. it obviously had a lot of um, of, of ships there. Um, uh, but largely a lot uh, as well, ships that didn't actually happen, like Mark and Susan and uh, Lucy and, oh. Um, Carter. Yeah, Carter. <laughs> Should me and Luke on for Luke watched all of the R during lockdown. So. Yes, yeah, so, 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 yeah, free to If it was on today, would you think that people would be shipping Benson and Carter? Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. But that was the biggest romance, wasn't it? When he came yes. back at the end and you. Know. <laughs> yeah. And Michael, your podcast? Yeah, my podcast is Manic Street Speakers. It's about uh, some obscure Welsh band. Um, and also got plans in the work to do a podcast about one of my favourite TV shows. Ooh. Will you tell us off air what it is? Yeah. OK, let's end the podcast. Um, and... <laughs> You'll be disappointed in the answer. Oh, OK. On Twitter, I am at Matt's TV Bites. Uh, Luke is, uh, the site is at Luke Custard TV. He's also got his own personal twitter now so if you want to hear his salty views on on things at it's luke knowles uh, i'm at uh, don glenn too michael. i'm at yekim underscore mikey because that's mikey backwards isn't yeah it? i know very I clever just, i just regret, <laughs> regret doing that <laughs> and we will be back uh, next week uh, with uh, reviews of another apple tv show we crashed new uh, bbc one-off drama then barbara matt allen and a German drama called Funeral for a Dog. So that's all that to look forward to. Uh, thanks for joining us on uh, the Custard TV podcast. Please like, rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you next time. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search the Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. <laughs> 
Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.